the Blaze Radio Network. On Demand. 2017 is going to be a volatile economic year. We may see politicians throughout the world attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Vices. I don't have to show you any stinking vices. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome to Hour 2, everybody, the Chris Salcedo Show. And we told you last hour breaking news, that, and you heard it in the top of the hour newscast there, that uh, United Airlines has settled with uh, the doctor that they kicked the the garbage out of dragging him off that airplane uh, for an undisclosed amount. And the Wall Street Journal printing this up today and very apt timing. Southwest will end the overbooking of flights by June. So United Airlines screws the pooch. And Southwest says, well, we're not going to we're not going to do that. So that is uh, some, uh, some other breaking news, uh, as it seems United screws up and Southwest learns the lesson and implements the lesson. Telephone number is 888-900-3393, Trump also agreeing to renegotiate NAFTA in Canada, NAFTA with Canada and Mexico, I should say, which is, which is fine. Uh, I, I think it's, it's a good renegotiation if we can get a better deal out of it let's let's revisit it and then trump is in a strong bargaining position right now because he's already pulled out of tpp so the the folks in canada are getting an up close and uh, and personal experience with trump as he says oh you're going to screw around with our dairy farmers cool we'll screw screw around with your lumber or do you want to start behaving as friends? <laughs> and they're like, oh my gosh, where's Obama? We're going to go Obama back? Obama, Obama loved to roll the United States over for anybody. The Ayatollahs, <laughs> the Mullahs, the Ayatollah, Canada, Cuba. I mean, Obama was, well, actually, as we said yesterday, uh, Obama was bending over backwards as he was bending the United States over forwards. <laughs> that, that's a great bumper. I'm going to make that into a bumper sticker just so we never forget the legacy of President Obama. Anyway, so I'm all for this. Get a better deal. I think we got a, a pretty raw deal in NAFTA. Don't forget who negotiated NAFTA. Uh, William Jefferson Clinton. Bill Nye, the science guy, is out there. To t- uh, he's made some more news. I, I'll share that with you 
in short order, I promised you guys I would evaluate what was going on on the corporate side of taxes. And Treasury Secretary uh, Steve Mnuchin was out, and there's, I only pulled one soundbite from this because it is important, and I don't want to give it short shrift, but I, I do believe that a focus on we, the people who pay as a collective, a lot of money and we how we are affected by tax policies not not that these folks in in corporate america don't pay a lot of money they do but i just think the tax code and reformation will affect a lot more people on the individual side than it will on the corporate side directly now indirectly the corporate the corporate changes will be felt across the economy across all economic strata so let's listen to Mnuchin, all right? We'll go, this, we'll go through this point by point. Right now we have a 35% corporate rate. 35% corporate income tax rate. That is the highest in the world. That is the highest in the industrialized world. It makes us instantaneously uncompetitive. You understand that that 35% is factored into the cost of doing business. Right off the top, 35% of whatever you make is gone. So whatever, whatever product you're making, 35% cost added onto, the, onto that product compared to maybe 15% from other countries making the same product. Who's going to be more competitive? On worldwide income and deferral, it is perhaps the most complicated an uncompetitive business rate in the world. Not a surprise that companies leave trillions of dollars offshore. Now, we, we talked about this in the last hour. You don't want to get double taxed. American corporation who has offices abroad, you make money in the UK or in Spain or in Mexico, and then they tax you. And then if you want to bring it back home to your headquarters in the United States and invest in America, oh, America wants, well, progressives want to tax you. So guess what you do as a business owner? Let me see. If I want to shut down all my businesses and work only in America, I can pay 35% or I can keep my operations abroad and pay much less. In some, in some countries, 15%, some countries, 20%. It's, 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 a, it's dollars and cents, folks. It's, a, it's, a num it's numbers. So any CEO worth their salt will say, well, yeah, I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep all my capital overseas because I'm taxed less. Liberals, well, you're just selfish. Liberals are such morons when it comes to business. Trying to tell somebody, oh, that they should operate against their country's best interest. Why? So you Democrats can get a payoff? Come on. No. You need to operate with a fiduciary responsibility to your investors and to keep your company thriving and going. The company's job isn't to make you Democrats popular. A company's job isn't to make sure that money is funneled into Democrat campaign coffers. A company's job is to succeed, to grow, to achieve. I think these are all these are all concepts that are foreign to the American liberal folks, or actually to the worldwide liberal.
but it is a matter of a matter of fact under the trump plan we will have a massive tax cut for businesses and massive tax reform and simplification as the president said during the campaign we will lower the business rate to 15 percent we will make it a territorial system and that territorial system means where you make the money you get taxed on the money and only where you make the money you make the money in america you get taxed here in america you make the money in the uk you get taxed there and if americans want to bring that money say say you're mcdonald's and all of your and all of that money that's over there in the uk you have a choice well i can get taxed on the money over there and then invest over there where it's going to be taxed at a lower rate or now that America is going to get competitive again, guess what? I can bring the money home and invest here. Where are you, what are you going to do if you're an American company? Of course, you're going to bring it home. Now that home doesn't want to rake you over the coals. And guess what that means, folks? More capital investment for America. Duh. Liberals can't either can't grasp this or just don't care. We will have a one-time tax on overseas profits, which will bring back trillions of dollars that are offshore to be invested here in the United States to purchase capital and to create jobs. Well, to purchase, I don't think you purchase capital. You'll be purchasing uh, infrastructure. You'll be purchasing, uh, growing your business, investing into your business. And I think what he's talking about is a repatriation rate. And again, he didn't specify what that rate was. So again, if, you, if you're an American company, you have all kinds of money parked overseas. America says, we want it back here at home. Bring it back home and we'll charge you a nominal rate. And they haven't decided what that rate is yet. Again, that's going to work itself out through Congress. The president is determined to unleash economic growth for businesses. This is not just about large corporations. Small and medium-sized businesses will be eligible for the business rate as well. All right, so that's that's what's going on on the business side. And it will have a, a walloping effect to the positive for the American economy. There'll be more capital. There'll be more money here at home. What does that do? Well, it creates a market for jobs and a lot of them trillions of dollars are parked overseas imagine what it would do back here at home what does that mean for local states for municipalities and towns and cities it means that as you get more people being hired your tax base grows government has more money infrastructure is repaired and things start moving this is something that liberals ideology prevented them from doing investing in America's success liberals only have the brain power to imagine investing in government success and those who populate the halls of government their success so long as they as, as long as those politicians could skim off the top you see that's that's the best we can expect under liberals under Democrats uh, under a businessman like Trump we can expect a heck of a lot more prosperity not just for the elite prosperity not just for democrats but for everybody improved lot for everybody to work not not to be gifted something to to be able to work and achieve 
and succeed. You're not, it's, it's not going to be handed to you on a platter. You're going to have to work for it. Again, another foreign concept to our liberal friends, but uh, Crowdhammer over at the Fox News Channel gave his impression of this tax outline. Look, I think the most important element of this is the stripping away of deductions. Uh, in 1986, that was the great triumph of the tax reform. We stripped away all these loopholes and paybacks and cutouts, essentially a form of corruption. And I think the appeal that a Republican can make to Democrats is this meets the fairness argument. Because it's only the rich, it's only the powerful who have the lawyers and the accountants who can exploit these cutouts and anybody else can't use them. And I think by doing that, you're allowed to lower rates. That was the genius of the Reagan tax reform. Uh, more on this coming up on the other side of the break, folks, and we'll start dealing with North Korea. That was a big story yesterday as the president delivered, well, what many of these senators, both parties said was a sobering assessment of the capabilities of Kim Jong-un in North Korea. Back in a minute, the Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. This is the Chris Salcedo Show, the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. As I read it now, it's only an outline, so we don't know if it'll end up this way. But except for the mortgage interest rate deduction, which you can hardly touch, although you can probably cap it because so many people depend on it, and uh, the uh, uh, charity, which I think is very useful because it's actually the only time the government weakens itself and strengthens civil society. It allows, essentially it subsidizes your charitable giving to independent organizations, which is very healthy for the country, except for those two exceptions. It seems as if they want to strip away everything else. And that's a good thing. Uh, The tax code is complicated enough as it is. We're talking simplification here, folks. And that was Charles Krauthammer, of course, on the Fox News Channel, giving his uh, evaluation uh, as to the proposal. And I, I have to stress this. It's a proposal. After Congress chews it up and Republicans cave in, it's going to look a lot different than this proposal. But as is the case, most cases with Donald Trump, he leads with the strongest hand possible. For negotiation this is what this is that this is the starting point this is an opening bid so hopefully what we get uh after a strong opening bid maybe we get something that's moderately good for the country maybe that's what the hope is telephone numbers 888-933-93-888-900-3393 i mentioned bill nye the science guy the fake science guy bill nye the fake science guy you know what um his latest is 
Uh, who is writing this? The Federalist. The Internet is rightly mocking the complete disaster. That is the Rachel Bloom, my sex junk video that is part of this Netflix series, Bill Nye Saves the World. If you, this, is, this is something that Glenn and Pat and Stu were making fun of yesterday. We talked a little bit about it. It was pretty funny. Anyway, so Bill Nye's little series here, he, is, he comes out with a, a proposal. Now, this is nothing new. For those, now, he's hoping that a lot of liberal extremists who don't know what science is and <laughs> don't know what history is will think this is... Oh wow, Bill Nye, he's so intelligent. What a what a great what a great and intelligent man he is. They they will think this is something that's somehow new and innovative. As a matter of fact, it is it is not old at all. Um, leftists have proposed this kind of thing throughout time. Bill Nye, the, the fake science guy, of course, believes that man is the culprit behind uh, man-made global warming or global warming. And there are all manner of prescriptions that leftists are prescribing. And don't, don't, don't forget, every bit of suggestion that these individuals put out there for to quote-unquote solve man-made global warming, it isn't to solve anything because many folks understand, and I think maybe even Bill Nye, the fake science guy, knows and understands that man isn't causing it, or not to a degree to where we'd be able to stop it. Or climate change is the call. Thank goodness the climate is changing. Or, you know, we'd be back, you know, there'd be, there, we, the earth would be uninhabitable by humans. But anyway, so what he is proposing to do is to subordinate your child-rearing practices to the state, to, have, to empower government to limit how many children you can have. Because people, Bill Nye rationalizes, are the cancer of the planet. It's, it's people who are destroying the planet. No, nobody else, or nothing else. So he wants to limit man. And he wants the, the all-powerful state to be able to tell you, well, I'll, you, you've got two kids. No more than that. Now, as I mentioned, this is not unique to human history. The repressive and brutal communist Chinese government instituted a one-child policy, too. So it's uh, Bill Nye, the, the fake science guy, is right on par with the communist Chinese. And it turns out that their, ideo their ideology isn't that dissimilar, is it? Freedom robbing, liberty robbing, all-powerful state, all part of the plan from Bill Nye, the fake science guy. All right. Yesterday, we played the soundbite, John McCain getting um, asked by Fox News, going into this meeting with the president about what he was expecting and, and what North Korea should get from a meeting with a whole bunch of senators flocking to the White House. Uh, what they'll think, what they need to think is that uh, the Chinese will stop their economy f in every way unless they stop this progress towards uh, acquisition of a nuclear weapon and a means to deliver. China is the key to this. So what he's saying is that North Korea 
should understand that the United States of America is going to employ a lot of pressure on China to make North Korea behave. Now, maybe I'm just not a pro- as proficient a student of human behavior as John McCain pretends to be, but if I'm Kim Jong-un, do I really fear my ally, my patron, who has no love for the United States, mind you, uh, coming down on me because of pressure being brought, diplomatic pressure being brought by the United States? Uh, th- think about this. I mean, the, the, the People's Republic of China has propped up this, this crazy person for the last five years. And the relationship, the, the lines of communication are, are a lot better between China and Kim Jong-un than between China and the United States. Now, all that being said, there is, well, there are a couple of things we can actually do to change this dynamic. And Charles Krauthammer has some more suggestions on what to do. We'll do that next. The Chris Salcedo Show. We'll be right back. The Blaze Radio Network. Show. All right, welcome back, everybody. It's the Chris Salcedo Show, and I'm glad you've tuned in. I am your liberty-loving Latino. Do not confuse me with loudmouth leftist Latinos. I actually love the country. 888-933-93-888-900-3393. I don't want to give you the impression that I am am treating North Korea lightly. I am not. Uh, There are no good military options. In North Korea, I am confident we can we can literally wipe them off the face of the planet. We can lay we can lay waste to North Korea. I know that there's no doubt we can do that. Um, the the problem is is what they will do and what they have the capability to do to our allies and and to us and to our own soldiers over there stationed inside of inside of South Korea before we're able to accomplish that there there is to my knowledge and I've talked to some military folks who tell me that this is actually true that there is there is no way that we can actually take out all of the military hardware in North Korea simultaneously before they're able to fire off a shot we just don't have a, a, a way to do that. There's not even a way to mitigate the damage to Seoul. Um, so there are no good answers to what's going on. North Korea should never have been allowed to, to get a nuclear weapon, but they were allowed by intransigence and a lack of responsibility by the Clinton administration. Clinton administration bought them off dedicated your taxpayer money hey i just want you all to do something for me all right i'm going to give you a whole bunch of taxpayer money and then uh you you just promise me you promise me you're not going to develop nuclear weapons okay all right you do that 
and then Clinton came up with a, a regime much like Obama came up with Iran that didn't verify. Just trusted, but didn't verify. So they, they took all the money that we gave them and they developed nuclear weapons. Ta-da! And that's why we're here. Uh, when that happened, there, and after they tested their first nuke in 2006, then it, cha- it changed everything. Changed the whole equation. So, uh, and in these last eight years, resident Obama didn't do a darn thing. Not one thing to rein in their nuclear program. So what, what is an option? The only option is, is to make North Korea know and understand that they would be facing a confrontation on two fronts. The United States and China. And the only way to get China to come up, they've done a couple of symbolic gestures. They've turned away North Korean coal from China. And that had a bit of an economic impact, slight economic impact for for North Korea. But that was just to get us to back down. And Trump's not backing down. Now we have a strike group that is uh, a carrier strike group that is positioned now there. China doesn't like that, but it's still not enough to get them to do what really needs to be done, to force them to assume their leadership role in that, in that arena. What would do this? Well, I think we've talked about this before, and I may have inadvertently, because I, I know I've talked about this before, but I think... It was Charles Krauthammer who inspired me to think that this, this is the only viable solution. And it's, it, this doesn't solve our North, North Korea problem. This solves our China problem. Here's Krauthammer. And that means, I think, ultimately, either putting back in place our short-range short nuclear missiles that we had in South Korea. And I think, ultimately, we're going to have to declare that we support a Japanese and South Korean nuclear deterrent that will get china's attention and that's the only thing i think that would make them support a pressure on the regime that would change their course yeah right Uh, significant enough pressure that would that would that would inspire china to say okay well the united states is not playing around and again we wouldn't have to deploy the weapons we would just say well we have no other choice we're putting nukes in japan and we're putting nukes in South Korea. Now understand that China doesn't want us there. China believes, and maybe courtesy of these last eight years, it may be closer to fact than I'm comfortable with, that that's their region. That they are the, they are the big boy on the block in that region. And that the Pacific is theirs. They'll tolerate us because they need our money. But China, they, are the, they, they believe this is their sphere of influence. And they don't want the United States there. So this would be a step backward. If we deployed nukes in Japan, a U.S. ally, and deployed nukes in South Korea, China would look at that as, A, be very aggressive. And, I, and that's the only thing really the Chinese will respond to. They would also look at it as a constant threat to them, to their people. 
even though we'd be putting it uh, there under the, uh, because we want to deter North Korea. But it, would, it could also be used as a weapon system that would impact their supremacy, the Chinese supremacy of that region. So all we would have to do is say something, have Donald Trump get up there and make an announcement that we're, we were going to deploy those weapons. China would then be engaged. Knowing they can't go to war with the United States, they would utilize the full the full repertoire of pressure that they have, which they're not using right now. They would use all the arrows in their quiver to bring North Korea to heel. And they can. They can. Along with the United and the United States and China working in concert, they most certainly can. Russia, they might do something to us out of spite. I don't think they would do much of anything in the, in the Security Council. They might abstain from a vote. But if China and the United States and, the, and the, the UN Security Council decided to get serious, then Kim Jong-un would be isolated. Where I see it going is uh, elements inside of North Korea who look at the crazy fat kid as, well, a crazy fat kid. They, they would see the abandonment of China as there, there's something wrong here. We got we to take care of things. And I think that, that Kim Jong-un would be in trouble inside of his own country if China brought the full court press. And, but we have to prompt them to bring that full court press. Mentioned earlier that um, Ann Coulter was has finally given up. She's uh, Berkeley. The liberals that uh, have won and free speech is dead at Berkeley. Liberal liberals are no longer the uh, proponents of free speech. They stifle free speech. They squelch free speech. And there, there are guys out there like what's his name? Uh, Howard Dean who doubled down on saying that, hey, conservatives are, in my mind, they equal hate. And hate doesn't ha is not protected under the First Amendment, and it most certainly is. But this is, this is Howard Dean trying to politicize speech, or, or basically trying to politicize speech, or classify speech he disagrees with as hate speech. Really juvenile in a way. But I wanted to deal with this this explanation that free speech is an absolute. It most certainly is. What is the, the most, uh, most often cited expression to say that free speech is an absolute? It's the yelling fire in a crowded theater, correct? That's what they say. That's the liberals' explanation for basically saying, well, not, you know, speech, free speech is an absolute in the United States, even though it is. Our buddy Chad Kent. Now, for those of you who are new to the Chris Salcedo Show or haven't been with us from the beginning, we used to do a, a series called The Constitution Revolution. We actually went through every article of the Constitution with our buddy Chad Kent here. And when we were talking about this whole free speech debate, 
I was reminded of, the, of this one Constitution Revolution. Listen to this. Let's have some fun with another one of those facts that everybody knows, but that just isn't true. When progressives are trying to justify limiting one of your constitutionally protected rights, you'll often hear them say something like, Hey, your rights aren't absolute, man. I mean, we limit them all the time. After all, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, right? But can you? Of course you can. If I'm in a theater and there's a fire, I'm going to point that out. And I highly doubt that anybody's going to prosecute me for saying so. The truth is always a good defense. Now, if you yell out fire and there isn't one, the government can certainly punish you for that. But as Dr. Kevin Gutzman explains in his book, Who Killed the Constitution? In that case, you're not being punished for the content of your speech. You're being punished because the chaos that results from you yelling fire in that theater could lead to people getting injured. So you violated the rights of other people in that theater. It has nothing to do with restricting speech. It's about you endangering the physical safety of other people. Finally, most theaters are private property, so the First Amendment doesn't apply anyway. If you buy a ticket to go into a theater, the owner of that theater can restrict you from yelling meatballs or anything else they want to. Unfortunately, this myth has been very effective in convincing people that it's okay to restrict your rights. The problem with yelling fire in a crowded theater isn't about your right to free speech. It's about you violating the rights of other people. We need to make sure that we understand that distinction very well so that we don't continue to allow the government to chip away at our rights. That's the Constitution Revolution, and I am Chad Kent for The Chris Salcedo Show. And that's how it is. Hey, folks, Ann Coulter did have some things to say last night about some frustration about, you know, what's going on at Berkeley and how the Republicans seem to always be flat-footed even when they're in control. We'll hear from her coming up next on The Salcedo Show. Keep up with The Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network. Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Ellie, I think we talked about this yesterday. Resident Obama slated to speak at uh, Wall Street Law Firm. Yeah, I think we did talk about this yesterday. Uh, payday is four hundred grand, four hundred thousand dollars. Now remember, he he spent the last eight years trashing Wall Street, right? And uh, he's he's. Who was it? Kristen Tate. Kristen Tate, author of Government Gone Wild, had this to say about the speech. Right. Well, first of all, I'm just wondering what Obama could possibly say during a one-hour speech that would be worth $400,000. I know, right? Who would pay it? I, this is what we asked yesterday. Who would, why would you want to pay a guy to come there and just tell you how much, how, how much of a shrub you are? I, and I was talking with Ellie. I said, hey, we, we'd do it for far less. I'd do it for 25K. I'd show up to this Wall Street firm and say, hey, you guys suck. Give me my 25 grand. <laughs> so one, one speculates that perhaps Mr. Obama wasn't as committed. Uh, 
to his message as we were led to believe. Anyway, uh, the Washington Post, where uh, all liberal news stories originate, or a lot of liberal stories originate, is come out with a, an article that says that uh, Focahontas, Elizabeth Warren says she's troubled by Obama's Wall Street speaking gig. She's, she's troubled, ladies and gentlemen. You can find this story on the Chris Salcedo Show Facebook page. It is uh, right below a list of, uh, of wrong-headed lawmakers who voted against school choice. All right, uh, after being forbidden to speak at Berkeley because of her political views, Ann Coulter blasts those who should have been fighting for the First Amendment there on the front lines. She trains her fire on Republicans. What I'm frustrated with right now is I think the GOP should change their motto to next time. We'll fight this next time. We'll show them how good we are this time. Um, no, we want to win now, whether it comes to judges. Ruth Bader Ginsburg gets, you may Google it, about 98 votes from the Republicans and Clarence Thomas, 52. Gorsuch barely slips through. Um, um, you have Donald Trump with, um, he gives away DACA and then he doesn't get the wall. Well, that'll show him how good he is. What a good humanitarian by saying what a big heart he has for those dreamers, the illegal aliens he promised to deport. Next time we'll get them. And now we have Yaff saying, um, well, we're going to strike a blow for, for the next speaker at Berkeley. No, I want to win now. Can Republicans ever win now? Yeah. Uh, I think that she speaks for a lot of frustrated conservatives out there saying, you know, when uh, the, the mantra constantly from the GOP is, oh, we'll get it next time. We're going to see it in the budget discussions, folks. Hey, remember, a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by an out-of-control government, but rather how much power is reserved for we the people. Hey, Friday tomorrow. Woo! Thank goodness. We'll see you here tomorrow on the Blaze Radio Network, 2 o'clock Eastern. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network.